also made the case for owning Bitcoin, the quintessence of scarcity premium. Scarcity premium. It's literally the only large tradable asset in the world that has a known fixed maximum supply by its design. The total quantity of Bitcoins cannot exceed 21 million. Bitcoin is the hardest money that has ever been invented. If you don't have my private key, you cannot spend my Bitcoin, period. And this is the power of Bitcoin. It's the first time we figured out how to create true property that you can take possession of with full custodial rights. What's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of Talking in Bits, where we walk you through Bitcoin bit by bit so we can provide you with the information you need to succeed and persist. Back with episode 58, got my good friend John here in the house. How's it going? Good, sir. It's going good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. We almost didn't make this one happen. It was, uh, yeah, a little bit of a scramble at the end, but we made it. But we made it happen. Thanks to you, good sir. I appreciate you. Before we get into all the great things that you got going on and and that you're working on and that you're contributing to the Bitcoin ecosystem, I want to start with just a little bit of background on you for the listeners. And, uh, you know, from there, if you could just kind of traverse into like how you got into development and then how Bitcoin happened. Right on. Yeah. Okay. So, um, yeah. Uh, my name is John, founder of Zapright. Um, I, Irish, probably picked that up from the accent. Go wrong. <laughs> I've lived in Canada for the last 12 years. Um, I've been, um, pretty much freelancer my whole life, freelancer contractor doing uh, graphic design. Okay. That's what my degree is in. Uh, I've got a college degree in like, tra- went to traditional art school, did graphic design, typography, like all that good stuff. Came out of there, taught myself some HTML, CSS, went into like building WordPress websites and PHP and all that kind of stuff and dabbling coding and bit that way. Um, got into Bitcoin like, you know, about 10 years ago, just kind of like reading articles and dabbling bits and pieces. Um, and it wasn't really until about, you know, Four years ago, uh, I started actually earning Bitcoin as a freelancer. Nice. Uh, working for Bitcoin companies for Bull Bitcoin, Verify, people like that in Canada. And uh, I needed something that I could create invoices in, professional invoices uh, that, you know, might not get paid for, you know, seven days, 30 days, whatever it might be. Um, and so there was nothing really out there except BTC Pay Server, yeah. which is awesome. But like, it just requires you to run a node and have tech skills, especially back then. Like, there was just it wasn't as advanced as it is as it is now. So I figured there was a need to build something, so I built Zapright. Um, so that's where um, that's where it all kind of came about. Um, basically, from a need that I just had to earn Bitcoin and you know have self custody over my funds. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, that was the that was the start of Zapright. Yeah. Yeah. Now, when you were when you first were got four years ago, got paid in Bitcoin, um, was it BTC pay, pay server that you were getting paid through or was it just people sending you Bitcoin? Because I yeah, I'm one of those like, uh, uh, I guess if you want to call it 2019 Bitcoiner. So I don't even understand what happened before that. But you seem to have been getting paid at a previous state. So how was it like? Getting paid back then. Yeah, well, I mean, I've gone through a lot of phases of, of, of Bitcoin um, right from right from the early days. But um yeah, so it was basically what I was doing was running traditional invoicing software. Okay. So kind of like just kind of like QuickBooks, but like cloud-based invoicing software. And uh, when I started doing work for Bitcoin, uh, I was obviously looking for something. It was, I, I was running my own node. I was trying to run BTC Pay Server. It, like, you know, even I was like semi-technical, like was struggling with it. So what I ended up doing was I just put like, a little note in the footer of my invoices from my cloud invoicing software. It said, like, if you want to pay me in Bitcoin, email me, we'll chat, and we'll sort it out. Gotcha. Um, <laughs> and 
that only lasted about a month until the invoicing software I was using sent out a blanket email to all their users yeah. and said, if we catch anybody with anything to do with like cryptocurrency or Bitcoin on their wow. like invoices or accounts, we'll just ban you and delete your account. So I was just like, holy shit, that's like, that's, you know, that's pretty full on. So at that <laughs> stage, I was like, okay, screw it. I got to build something for myself. And that was the kind of final straw was like, I was trying to do everything you know, manually and then a little bit of BTC. I was actually using the hosted demo of BTC Pay Server at one stage. Okay. Um, just because that was the only way, like, you know, they had obviously like a, a domain name and everything, ClearNet name, uh, domain to to expose your your invoice URLs. Yeah. So it was a little bit of a combination of everything. But yeah, the, the final straw was really just the invoicing software just sending out that blanket email saying we're going to ban users and i was like okay well i gotta i gotta build a bitcoin invoicing app now don't i yeah for sure <laughs> i've actually recently tried to even like as of like a few weeks ago try to use btc pay server on my raspy blitz node and uh, yeah it's still pretty damn difficult uh and i was able to get it to where it displays and it creates the invoice but being able to hide my node's ip address was my biggest problem Right, and then they kind of like I found an instruction, uh, an, you know, an instruction online that maybe go into um, kind of get like a mass DNS, right, where they kind of hide it behind. But it yeah. still wasn't; it, it just wasn't working. And then I hate dealing with Tor. I don't, I don't know how yeah. often, it's just a pain in the ass to deal with Tor. Anyways, the conversation don't, <laughs> doesn't need to go there. What I'm trying then, to get at is that it's still extremely difficult to well, run a BTC pay server. Well, that's the thing. And I, like, I, I haven't tried in quite a while just because obviously I built ZapRite and I didn't have a need for it. But yeah. I've been following BTC pay server and, you know, all the amazing things that they're doing, all the updates that they're bringing out, all especially like I'm a designer. So like the UI UX updates that I see coming out, like and the stuff they're announcing coming down the road is like, it's amazing. It's like really yeah. great to see it. And it's, like I said, it's an amazing tool. Um, but, you know, just to give a little bit of kind of, you know, context as to where I see... Uh, you know, ZapRite fitting in, on one end of the scale, you've got like complete self-hosted, complete control, like BTC Pay server. Yeah. Run your own node, be in complete control of all the settings, everything, you know, set up Tor if you want, like do all that kind of stuff. Um, it's getting easier, but it's still hard. Yeah. Even for technical people, it's still hard. On the other end of that scale, you've got somebody like, say, OpenNode, who, again, like great company, but they're full custodial, full KYC, um, and then in the middle, I think, is where ZapRite sits. We've got this sweet spot where people can sign up for accounts without having to be technical, and they can connect their own Bitcoin wallets, um, whether it's, you know, putting in an Expo or a manual BTC address from, like, you know, Wasabi or Phone Wallet or whatever. Um, or if they want, they can actually, like, decide themselves, like, how much KYC they want to do with third parties. So we'll integrate, like, with Strike, with Voltage, like, with OpenNode, with all these other things. Like, we'll actually, like, connect through API yep. to those accounts. So ZapRite is kind of just like this, you know, beautiful UI UX experience wrapped around existing self-custody Bitcoin services or third-party KYC services, whatever it is, like whatever level you want to do. Yeah. It's just about providing the experience. So it's kind of like a one-stop shop where you can just like plug into whatever it is you want to plug into that the tools that you use. So I'm assuming because you're connecting through API, then that means that no KYC on ZapRite. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And you right. don't get that information running through ZapRite. I'm sure people would ask that information. Like your servers or what you're using for ZapRite servers is not. Well, so, I mean, 
there's still there's still stuff there that if you ask like hardcore like you know cypherpunk bitcoiners they'll oh, yeah. be like oh my god this guy's using like you know fire google firebase and like you know SendGrid for emails and stuff so i am relying on third parties there is certain information that gets saved because what i'm doing is building like an accounting full-on accounting app yep so every time a, a, an invoice gets paid we're built like we obviously have a stored database yep. of all of your invoices makes sense so on those invoices you've got like you know the email the the contact person it's going to the the Bitcoin address, the payment came into, like all that stuff is saved. So, you know, if you're uncomfortable with that, you know, just hang on a little bit and I'll get you a nice like <laughs> umbral app or something that you can like run straight from your node and everything will be good. Or like native apps for like desktop, iOS and things like that, where you've got more control over the information. Yeah. Um, but until then, I think, um, you know, for the most part, like this software will probably be used by people who are running legitimate businesses. So, they just want to accept Bitcoin. So they're not going to mind that, like, you know, some of that information is out there. Yeah. Um, because it's all kind of like publicly known. Anyway, if they're sending invoices to people and things like that, they right. got to report taxes and do all that kind of stuff anyway. That's a good um, point. So, yeah, but the idea is I definitely do want to do like a full like suite of products. So like all like right now, the MVP. Yeah. Like I said, it's just, it's uh, a web app, uses a lot of like cloud services, like Google Firebase, things like that. Obviously, that's you know not so good for privacy but what i want to do as well is offer as i mentioned before the native ios um ios android like phone and, and desktop apps as well so at least then you're in control of the information and then maybe we just find some way of you know sending the the invoices out all the way right down to basically um you know an open source uh, app that you can just download and run on umbral or start nine or anything like that yeah. so i want to offer the whole suite of products so like all different levels of user are covered, right? Like yeah. whether you're super like cypherpunk or whether you're like, yeah, I don't care. I'll use like the cloud hosted like web app. Like it's all good. Yeah, I, I do uh, like that you brought up the point. You're right. If you're collecting invoices, you're most likely reporting taxes anyways. Uh, and that's a little bit less of a concern. And I've, I didn't go all the way through because I was uh, prompted this, but I went through the open node process to set up and they're actually asking for like full on face scan. Like, I mean, you need to like, oh, well. take, yeah, you need to take a picture and submit it to be able to get approved in order to even use the service. Oh, wow. Yeah, and that's, that's like, crazy. I mean, there's KYC and then there's like pretty much giving your own yeah, fucking yeah. life away to, yeah. to a company. So I, I do like that middle ground. Now, unfortunately, that's where we're heading. Yeah. You think so? Why do you, why I, you say that? Like, I, yeah, not us as in Zapparite. I yeah. just think that like the world in general, it's, um, gotcha. I think, I, I think with, you know, when, you know, briefly, we don't have to go down this road, like, but when, you know, the internet came out, we had the promise of like, you know, web 2.0, all these like fintech apps that came out and they made our lives easier and they yeah. were amazing. They were awesome. Like we all agree, we carry around like supercomputers, like in our pocket, these phones like do amazing things. And that's the beauty of fintech. But I think we've gone past the point now where it's just becoming a deterrent where every single company that wants to start up has to go through so many regulations that it's literally just KYC farming now. Yeah. Like there's no more service to be had anymore. It's like we, it's like we can't service you unless we know absolutely everything about you. Um, that and like a quick example of that is, you know, I've been living here in, in Austin for six months, came down from Canada, obviously. I don't have like a social security number in the US. I don't have a US billing address, credit card. So there's things that I can't do. Yeah. Like I can't, you know, I can't get a credit card in the U.S. because I don't have a social security number. Like 
I tried to buy a whole bunch of IKEA furniture. Yeah. IKEA wouldn't accept my credit <laughs> cards because like you have to have a US billing credit card. So yeah. I was trying to use like Bitcoin to buy like gift cards to pay with Moon, like virtual credit cards to buy IKEA gift oh, cards. Oh, like, shit. So it's like, I'm kind of shut out of this system. Like, and I'm, you know, you know, a privileged like Westerner, right? Like, so yeah. even me, it's like this system is so locked down now that if you're any way removed from it, you're really going to struggle um, because I think everything is just KYC farming now. And I don't think uh, most, you know, every, Americans even understand that struggle, I think. No, yeah. uh, a lot of people don't. Um, and I didn't understand it in Canada because I was fully KYC in Canada. So everything's great. But even just crossing the border and coming down here, it's like, okay, well, like Ikea won't sell me furniture. It's like, wow, okay, like that's, that's, that's weird. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I, how did you end up in Canada? Ireland and then Canada, is that the kind of the move you did or? Yeah, basically just to ski. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love the basic answer. Yeah, yeah, no yeah. logic. Just <laughs> no, I was, uh, like I said, I've just been freelancing all my life. I can, I can work on a laptop and internet connection. So, um, yeah. you know, I just, it was getting to the stage where like I started skiing in early twenties and was just getting to the stage where I was doing multiple ski trips a year. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, two weeks here, a week there, a long weekend here. Cause you know, you're so close in Europe. You can just like, you know, when hop on a hop on a plane in Dublin and you know a couple of hours later you're in like Swiss Alps or something and you're skiing so like it's really quick to just do long weekend trips and stuff like that yeah. so it got very expensive um and so I just thought you know what I should just pick up my laptop and, and go live in a ski resort somewhere so I can just ski every day um so that's what I did yeah and then that turned into you know mountain biking in the summer um, and then just summer turned into winter, turned into summer, turned into winter. And 12 years later, it's kind of like lifting my head going, oh, I should probably go traveling and get out of Canada for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And then you went straight here, Austin? Yeah, straight to Austin. Yeah. The plan was to go down and do, um, plan was to head down to El Salvador in November last year and go to the conference, lightning okay. conference I was on down there. Yeah. And uh, things got a bit crazy in Canada. In uh, September, got a very authoritarian. And um, so I decided bit. to kind of like leave a little bit early and come down to Austin because Bitcoin Twitter told me I needed to be in Austin. <laughs> yeah. So I ended up here and then, you know, very quickly found out that um, because I have a startup, a Bitcoin startup, that this was absolutely the place to be. Yeah. Um, just like, you know, the, the meetups with Austin Bitcoin Club, um, like Kyle and Carr, the guys at like Pleb Lab, um, everything they're doing and, you know, bit devs and all the different events that were going on and just so many investors and like high profile people like coming through Austin all the time. Yeah. I thought, you know, well, this is where I got to be. If I have a, if I have a Bitcoin startup, like there's, there's no point in going doing my digital nomad thing and traveling around. Right. So, um, yeah, I never made it out. I've just, I'm still here. You're still here, yeah. <laughs> and blossoming, it sounds like. Um, yeah. So from from beginning to uh, to this point, well, let me ask this. How long did it take to get an actual working model of ZapRite? Because I know you're coming from a graphic design background, uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean functionality. I mean, it's looks, but it's not functionality. So how long did it take you to kind of bootstrap that? Way longer than it should have. <laughs> um, I uh, like the so I mean the way the tools that are out there right now like the the tech stack you can just build an MVP like in in days right like it's just okay. it's amazing like with Google Firebase and like you know React Next.js like Vercel like all these different platforms like it's very easy to to get a, an MVP up and running. Granted, mine was a little bit more developed because it was invoicing there was a lot of there was a lot of stuff that had to happen in the background so there was just a lot of like functions and components that needed to be written but i spent way too much time on the front end 
Okay. Because I'm a designer. Yeah. So that took a lot longer than it should have. <laughs> um, even now as well, when I build components, like they should be like a lot quicker and I'm just kind of like getting stuck on, I'm learning to be better though because there's so many things on my to-do list I can't spend time on on front end anymore. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I get a lot of comments of how amazing it looks. Like it's really clean. It's really polished. Um, like looks amazing even on mobile. Um, the design is just like really slick. I'm really, I'm really happy with how it came out. Um, but yeah, probably, probably spent longer than I should have, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I originally started probably about 18 months ago. Okay. I think it was like the first bit of code I wrote. Yeah. Kind of when I had the idea, like about 18 months ago and then just started writing code and, and the issue was very slow at the start. Cause like I was still consulting full time and just doing it as kind of evenings and weekends and I get stuck on certain parts. And then, um, but I actually had, uh, Nate from uh, Bull Bitcoin, who was like absolutely amazing. Shout out, Nate. Um, he basically like has been on board from the start, like just helping me out. Like whenever I've needed help, like he set up the whole like stack, um, you know, got the CI, everything like set up with GitHub and everything just running straight through. Um, like just really did a lot of a lot of heavy lifting at the start um, to get me set up and has always been there like throughout as well. So um you know, with him having there, like things started to like move a lot quicker. And then eventually I kind of scaled out of my consulting, you know, as much as I could yeah. um, to concentrate more. So it's just been like over the last year, it's just been the process of doing less and less consulting and more and more tap, right? Um, yeah. Which has been awesome because it's it's meant that being able to like, you know, push it live, get the MVP out there, get it in beta mode. Um, and the only problem is I have no money. <laughs> I can't yeah. I can't pay myself um when I'm doing not doing consulting anymore. So um it's uh but it's great though because you know um as people may or may not be aware, I think I tweeted about it a couple of months ago. Like I'm in the middle of raising a, a small pre seed uh, round of funding. Nice. Um which is going well. So that's great. So I think I think things are starting to change and I'll be able to like hire hire staff and uh and move a lot quicker like going forward from now. So I think uh yeah, I think uh, at the very start, slow pace, but like ramping up now, particularly the last six months I've been here in Austin, it's been uh, it's been amazing. Yeah, that, a lot of things I, I grabbed from there. So I actually remember the first time I met you when I came up here to Pleb Labs, and I also was blown away by the design. I think I remember telling you that, like, this thing just looks... You did, thank you, yeah. Yeah, yeah extremely yeah. clean. So it's funny that you say that you spend a lot of time on it because it's obvious. Yeah. And, and then the second thing there that's um, especially specific in, in the Bitcoin community in that space is that, like, you, 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 somebody came on to help you, right? And, and did it just off the strength of being helpful and was able to give you that boost up. Um, and I don't really think that, especially in, in old legacy, it doesn't, it's not that it doesn't exist in those industries, is that it, it always seems to be one of those pay me type industries. Like, give me, give me, give me, and I help you, help you, help you. Yeah. And in Bitcoin, it seems like somebody was like, oh, you got something cool going on and I can help. And he helped you. Was it that sort of the conversation or was it? Well, I mean, I was definitely like paying for help, right? Okay. Like it's, it's, you know, these, these people are, you know, very talented people. So like, you gotta, you gotta pay them when you need help it's as well. But there have been so many people, like what you're saying is, is correct. There have been so many people that like are willing to help yep. just out of the goodness of their hearts because they love like Bitcoin so much. And yeah. they see somebody who's trying to build a Bitcoin product and they just help. They'll help shill it. They'll help test it. Um, you know, they'll do a lot of things to help you out, put yeah. you in contact with people. Like the amount of, you know, the, the amount of other founders that I know, not just the guys like Michael Adoshi and, you know, Tristan Lightning Escrow and like, you know, Sam and other people. Like it's, 
not even those guys as well because we're all in the one office together and we all talk and we all like share ideas and help each other out but even other like bitcoin founders that i've met you know over the last few months living here everybody is just so willing to you know send emails to make introductions to like investors or other developers or people that can help you out in one way or another um and I, so i think you're right like it's just that type of a community where there is a lot of help you know and i think the, we see that everywhere like you see that in people willing to spend you know, a ton of their time on Clubhouse, just talking to newbies, like trying to onboard them. And, and, you know, people doing podcasts and everything like that as well. It's just, there's a lot of people who are just so enthusiastic about it that, um, you know, they, they, they're just willing to put the time in, um, because they enjoy it and they want to, they want to see the fruits of it on the other side without necessarily looking for anything in return. Yeah. Yeah. And I I think that's magical. Um, I haven't, I've experienced it on the podcast on different levels, but same thing. I mean, you being here, uh, all the the connections that Car has given me and, and just the Bitcoin is just reaching out and showing love to the show, um, but also wanting to, you know, value for value in a sense, you know, be mm-hmm. on the show, expose the show to their network. And also I wanted to do the same thing in return, which we talked about before you jumped on here. Yeah. Um, so I want to circle back on SAP, right? Because I'm sure there's a lot of freelancers that I know personally that are listening to the show and watch the show. Um, so what are the different payment rails or ways you can get paid through Zapra? Is it just Bitcoin? Is there lightning integration? Is it fiat integration? Can you walk through those? Yeah. So, um, the basic, uh, the basic MVP started off with just, um, Bitcoin on chain Bitcoin. Um, you would literally just create an invoice, paste in, uh, Bitcoin receiving address, um, and away you go, send it out. And we do all the, you know, send all the beautiful email templates and notifications and things like that. Watch the, watch the mempool for transactions and then like, you know, send, send email notifications as they come back. Um, and then of course you got your history of like, you know, all the transactions and everything like in there in your activity feed, which will eventually like build out into, you know, full on bookkeeping. Um, and so once that was in, then it became, um, relatively easy to add liquid, um, because it was just the kind of same process. You're just pasting in like a liquid receiving address. So liquid is in there as well. Um, and then, um, when I came down here to, to Austin, I was able to talk with uh, super, like super Testnet, one of the developers in Pleblab, who basically helped me just, uh, write a little bit of code that enables you to talk to your own node. So now we've got, uh, LN bits integration nice. where you can basically like, if you got an umbral or something like that, or my node at home, um, you can basically just plug in your uh, Tor URL or ClearNet if you're running it over. Most people are running a Tor. Um, put in your Onion address and your invoice read-only key. Okay. So we don't get full admin access to the node or anything. We're just able to generate invoices. And so you can connect that up. And now when you create invoices, somebody can pay them in Lightning and it just the payment just goes straight to your node. Um, so no no custody on our behalf, no KYC on our behalf or anything. It's just like straight into your, into your Lightning uh, wallet. Um, and then we've got uh, we've got a couple of manual payments in there as well. Like you can add ACH details. Okay. Um, you can add like uh, SEPA for Europe or Interact, which is a, a Canadian email uh, type payment rails. Um, so there's a couple of manual ones that will just like show up on your invoice if you want to offer people those um, as well, yep. rather than kind of writing a little note in the bottom of your email. There's like <laughs> actual fields where you can fill out and people can tap through the payment options on the other end when they're when they're paying the invoice. Beautiful. Um, and then, yeah, and then the big one, I guess, which I literally just pushed live about an hour ago, yeah. which is uh, Strike. Okay. So um, pretty happy about that. Um, that. That allows you, if you're a ZapRite user, and you're a Stripe user, yeah. you can basically just go into your settings, click uh, connect under Stripe, 
um, and put in your Stripe handle. Yeah. Uh, username and just like uh, just hit connect. It'll connect through. You're now connected to um, your Strike account and any invoices like when you send down an invoice you can check the little box that says like allow lightning payments over strike yeah and now anybody can pay that invoice by scanning a qr code and it'll just go directly into your strike wallet mm. so that's pretty cool um that's amazing yeah yeah it's really really cool um the it, it's just usd for now yeah um so basically like if you're a freelancer and you let's say you design a logo for somebody you charge them 500 bucks um, you'll create your invoice in ZapRite for 500 like USD or whatever euros, whatever your currency is. Um, well, with Strike, I guess it'll just be USD, I think, for now. Yeah. Um, and then you'll send it out. And when someone goes to pay it, they can then pay that with Bitcoin or Lightning. They can just like scan um, a QR code. But you as a Strike user will get US dollars into your account. It'll settle in US dollars. Yeah. Eventually, I hope that they will allow for the Bitcoin to stay as. To stay as. Um, it's just a restriction they have on their API right now. I'm assuming just because it's early days and they may have like legalities around that. I don't know. But I mean, it's very easy for a strike user just to convert that to Bitcoin when it lands in their wallet anyway. Yeah. Um, but it would be nice to offer that ability where you've got, you know, like strike those with the pay me in Bitcoin where it's like, how much of this do you want in Bitcoin? It's like a sliding scale, like 25%, 50%, yeah. 100. And maybe I can integrate that on the API side on ZapRide. So every email that gets paid, as soon as it goes into their Strike account, Strike knows automatically to do like a 50-50 split or whatever it is. So that would be awesome to have that. Yeah. Um, but even for now, just having that integration is is really cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's they're the payment integration that are in there now. Um, you know, I hope to be able to do something similar with Cash App yeah. that I've just done with Strike. Um, and uh, Swan as well. Like I know Swan has got some like really cool stuff coming out and an API as well. So um, you need to look into that and chat to those guys some more and see what we can do on that end. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much like the, the, the kind of goal of what I'm trying to do here is just to create this one-stop shop where, you know, it doesn't really matter what service you're using or where you're KYC'd or where you're not KYC'd or what wallet you're using or, you know, what node you're running at home. Yeah. I want to be able to offer the ability to just plug into all of those. Right. So you can choose yourself, like what you're comfortable doing or not doing, but you just get this like beautiful UI UX wrapper around, like just around the Bitcoin network. Yeah, I, I, I love all that. I love options. I think it's very important to allow a person to choose, like you said earlier, an extreme, right? Like how extreme you want to be in or how far out you want to uh, go. Um, on the strike thing, and the listeners of the show know I, I got my beef for straight, but I wanted to give an example um, that, like you said, that they're not giving you the option to keep it as Bitcoin. So for the very first time, I've actually sent from an on-chain address uh, through Cash App, through an on-chain address and Strike. And not only did Strike um, turn it into U.S. dollars, by the way, but they actually held on to those funds, allowing me not to send it for about three to four days. Oh, right. Okay. And it was a nightmare because I was actually trying to pay, uh, actually a mutual friend here, Alex, uh, that, that helped right. me de design some stuff. I was trying to, he, <laughs> he was yeah. being so damn humble that he didn't want to give me his on-chain address. So I tried to go around there and basically say, well, I'm going to pay you on Twitter. Um, and yeah. you know, strike connection. To, so I tried to do that and I'm like, all right, well, I got these sats sitting in my cash app. Let me just make the bounce and go strike. Yeah. It didn't work. Um, it didn't keep it as Bitcoin. It right. turned it into U.S. dollars. Yeah. And then I don't know if this is like a banking regulation or something on their end. They actually had to hold that deposit for about three to four days. 
Yeah, I'm, I imagine, I didn't know that, but I imagine that's some kind of regulation, um, yeah. which sucks because I've seen that happen in other, um, in other services as well. That's just a which shitty is, experience. It's shitty and it's really bizarre because, um, you know, if you're KYC'd as a Strike user sure. and somebody like sends you money, like what are they holding it for? Uh, I don't know. That's a question for Jack. Like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, maybe they're, maybe like, I, I like, I don't get why they would think like we hold this for like three days, like serves any purpose whatsoever. I'm sure there's a legal reason for it, but it's, you know, if you're KYC and somebody wants to give you money, yeah. like, Let you me know, like, I guess their reason is like, well, we need to make sure that this is not like drug money or from like criminal activity or whatever. But like, how the hell are they going to find that out? Right. Yeah. Like, it's just holding it for three days for no reason. For no you know reason. What I mean, yeah. like, it's not like it's not like they can find out like, well, who scanned who scanned that QR code and where right. did the Bitcoin come from? Like, if you're if, if if you're using it from like you know an address that doesn't have history or like you know that's a like a clean address or a coin or even a coin joined address, like I mean, what are what are they holding on to it for three days? Like, what are they gonna what are they gonna know in three days time that they didn't know after one second? I agree with you 100%. And yeah. I, I don't know why they, A, they need to hold it. And then, okay, let's, all right, Jose's maybe firing off $1,000 or something. Okay, well, there's a quite a good amount there, I guess. It was 50 bucks. Yeah, yeah. It was 50 bucks. What are yeah, you guys yeah, going to yeah. do with 50 bucks? I mean, what kind of drug dealer is going to push 50 bucks through a network? Uh, yeah. And then, you know, they're so prime on building features such as that slider, such as the market, you know, the, 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 um, the exchange that they have on there, all that stuff. Well, build the fucking feature that keeps it as Bitcoin. Yeah. I'm sending it to an address. It's an yeah. on-chain address. You have a wallet because your exchange has a wallet. Uh, maybe I'm so just... So they don't even have that in the in the wallet feature. Is that what you're saying? Like what do if you, mean? you So, well, the reason I'm asking is because, like, I don't even have a Strike account. They won't give me one because, like, I'm not a U.S. <laughs> citizen. So it was really hard testing this thing, like, when yeah. you don't have an account to, like, you know, connect to it to. test it to, yeah. Um, so I don't actually know how the app works at all. I was just working purely with the API. Yeah. Um, so I assumed it was a limitation of the API. But okay. what you're saying is it sounds like you just did it app to app, like, scanning sending it from Cash App to your Strike. Is that what you said? Yeah. So and even then they held it for three days. Yeah. So you know yeah. how, how Strike, you know, offers the ability to get Lightning or Bitcoin address, whatever. Yeah. So yeah, I basically grabbed a, 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 a Strike address and I paid it with my Cash App. So it was definitely on chain. Right. And then So I, it was your Cash App KYC account to your Strike KYC account. That, this is why it's my box. Direct app scan QR codes. Yeah. And they held it. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, and yeah. I didn't have the slider toggle to Bitcoin, but like it's an on chain address. You can't default to fiat. That's if I wanted to send fiat, I would send fiat. I didn't send fiat. I send it to an on chain address. And I, they have wallet functionality because obviously it's a wallet. But yep, they turned it into fiat immediately. And then my thought was, okay, I don't really like that, but from there, then I'll just go send it and you know send yeah. it out as fiat, and then they do the, yeah. the flip on the fly where they turn it into Bitcoin in the background. Yeah. I was able to do that after three or four days. Right. So I wonder if you did send USD from Cash App. It was definitely Bitcoin. But I wonder if you sent USD, would they still hold it for three days? Or was oh. it only because you scanned, like you sent from, like, because did you send from a Bitcoin balance on from, Cash App? From my Bitcoin wallet in Cash App. Right, so they give you the little right, whatever, okay, air, yeah, paper yeah, plane that yeah, says yeah, send yeah. out, and then I'm that's not familiar what, with Cash App either because I can't get that kind uh, <laughs> What's wrong with these companies? I mean, you I told have, you I'm locked out of the financial system. It's yeah, crazy. see, but you should have like a rare exception. Like it should be one of those things where it's like, no, I'm a developer, I'm a business owner, and I can actually improve your product. 
Yeah, and then yeah. those rules should kind of be put to the side. Well, I really, I, I wish they did have business accounts because um, I actually have a legitimate like business register here in the US. So like, but Strike, I don't think has business accounts. Maybe Cash App does. I don't know. I just yeah. haven't tried to sign up. Um, Both but, Jacks yeah. need to get on this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, with with Cash App, um, has the announcement of the uh, LDK. Is it the what's doing the Bitcoin one? BDK. Let's just say that. Uh, uh, and yeah. th- those stacks has that have you played around with those yet have you looked into those I haven't okay. no um, but you know the guys like Jeff's here in, in Austin I meet him at all the the events um, he's an awesome guy they they talk about like a lot of the stuff that they're doing um, I haven't had a chance to, to play around with them yet um, right. maybe there's maybe they're good for, for me for Zaprite I don't know yeah. I, have, I have this thing in my head that they're you know more for building wallets at least okay. LDK um, and BDK as well. Maybe like I, I, I understand they're like really great tools for if you're building like, you know, wallet infrastructure. I see. Um, but, you know, maybe there's something in there that can be that can be done for ZapRite. I don't know. But yeah, I just haven't, hasn't been a priority to look into those yet. But gotcha. I, I, think, hear, I hear good things. I think the mistake I'm making is, yeah, I thought uh, I correlated LDK with Cash Apps APIs, but those are completely different things. So if you wanted to speak to Cash App, you're not necessarily needing the LDK. You just need to know Cash App APIs. Is that? Uh, yeah, again, I, I, I think so. Okay. But again, I haven't looked in depth into it because it's my understanding that Cash App at the moment doesn't even have an API okay. for what I want to do. Um, I could be wrong, okay. but I need to... I need to chat to somebody and catch up about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. And we need yeah. to get John here uh, an account. Come on, y'all. Like, yeah, this is <laughs> I need to get some dev accounts. Yeah, yeah. I, I find that mind-boggling that as you know, a company that obviously wants the feedback on the products they're putting out, they wouldn't you know, get the feedback of developers around the world, never mind just specifically John, and give you like a, yeah. like a test net version of it at the very least. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I emailed them and said, you know, limit it to like, you know, 10 bucks or hundred bucks, like whatever you want. Like, I just want to be able to send some transactions back and forth. And, um, yeah, they just said like, nope, Nothing. no can do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, is that cash app or that was strike? That was strike. Yeah. Now oh, they did boy. say they're like, cause I went through the onboarding process and it gets to the end where you have to put in your SSN and then take a photo of your ID. Yeah. And I don't have an SSN and I don't have a US ID. So I was like, I couldn't get past that point. Um, and that's where I emailed them and I said, look, can I, can I do anything if I just put in like zero 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 for the SSN? Yeah. I could, you know, take a picture of the, you know, the scenery outside. Like, will you, <laughs> will you just approve it when it goes through? And they were like, no, we can't, uh, we can't do that. Um, they did say they're going to make it easier for people to onboard who don't have SSNs um, in the future. But you know, I don't, I don't know when that's going to be. But is that is that regulation as well? Like, because it's a dev, it's not like a live product. It's a dev kit. But is it that they don't want? Is there a threat for a developer? Oh, you mean the the just not giving for you strike for the API? Yeah, just not giving you access to these things, right? Well, I mean the 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 account, the strike account itself wouldn't be uh, like it would be a full on strike account. Okay. So I don't know if they have some way of limiting it, limiting it on their side to make it like a, a dev like test account. Yeah. Um, I assume they do, but um, you know, maybe maybe they don't. But the account, yeah, the account would have to be like a full on, you know, iOS okay. like account okay um and then the api is obviously just restricted because they're selective who they give that to and you got to have an api key and all that kind of stuff so gotcha yeah okay um i'm going to circle back just on bitcoin specifically here so 
Mm-hmm. How were you introduced to Bitcoin? Uh, is it a specific person? Is it you yourself being curious? Go back to the very beginning and what was your first encounters with Bitcoin? Uh, it was me myself being curious, but I really, really wish I could remember more. Um, okay. It's almost 10 years at this stage. Um, and I think it was in 2013, nine years ago, I guess. And it was, I read an article online. I don't know what it was. I can't remember. Wish I could remember. Yeah. Wish I could go back and read that article again now and yeah. see what actually piqued my interest. Um, it must have been, you know, it must have been something to do with like Silk Road or Mount Gox or something if it was 2013. Um, and I, you know, I thought, oh, wow, this is really interesting. This is like, you know, this is really cool tech. Yeah. Um, and so I found a site. It was called QuickBT. And I think it was only Canadian. Maybe it was available in America as well. I'm not sure. But um, it allowed me to use my Canadian debit card to buy Bitcoin. Nice. But it was limited to like 25 bucks or 50 bucks a day. So I would go in and I would just like, you know, spend and just buy 50 bucks of Bitcoin. Yeah. And then I'd have to wait 24 hours and come back and then I could buy 50 more and then I'd go back in. So I started doing that and just like, you know, DCAing like every day for like, you know, a couple of weeks. And then I guess like as 2013 went on, like I must have just like come in right before it started to like have its 2013 run up. Yeah. And I started noticing I was getting less and less sats every day. Yeah. When I went in, I would get like a little bit less and a little bit less. And I thought, ah, this is a scam. I'm out of here. (laughs) Like, that's how embarrassing it was. Like, I literally didn't understand economics or number go up technology or anything. I was like, you know that, you know that saying, like, I'm in it for the tech. Yeah. That's literally what I was. I was in it for the tech. I was like, this is really cool. It's like a digital stable coin pegged to the dollar. I can buy things on the internet. It'll make it so much easier and quicker and everything. Yeah. And as I was buying it, I started getting less and less. And I thought, oh, this is a scam. I'm out of here. Yeah. If I had known back then, what well, I would have been like finding like VPNs and like deleting cookies from my browser so I could buy every 10 minutes instead yeah. of every 24 hours. And like, but um, yeah, I just, uh, so I basically kind of like left it for a while. And then I came back a couple of years later, must've read another article. Um, and eventually like, you know, eventually I think I, 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 I found, yeah, what was, it? I think I found Coinbase. Okay. And back, like back when I started, I, w- I got to download Bitcoin core. So like, you know, you're downloading, you know, the full blockchain, you're syncing the chain and everything. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was even any like, what is this? A bit, what's the, is it, what, what's the seed words? whatever, I can't remember, I can uh, never remember what it is, but like one of the bips of the, the seed words, right. I don't even think that was out. So you literally could only write down your private key. Yeah. So like I have oh, this shit. piece of paper with like all these, like, you know, characters this whole and... like hex string of like all these like characters and stuff. <laughs> oh shit. And then I just shoved it in my drawer. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, maybe like 2015, 2016 or something, I was like reading again and thought, oh, you know, maybe I should, like maybe I should look at that Bitcoin thing again. Like I, th- I think I have some somewhere. So I was like going through my drawers and found my old wallet and went like, oh, okay. And like, again, this is how like naive I was at the time. I was just like, oh, it's probably not safe me holding on to this. I should probably look for like a third party. <laughs> so I started Googling, I found Coinbase and I swept the wallet into Coinbase um, and let them hold on to it. And then of course, when I was in there, I found like Litecoin and Ethereum and everything else. So I was like, Litecoin, this is like 50 cents and Ethereum was like $3. Like, yeah, I'll buy some of that. Yeah. And then got sucked into the whole like ICO thing in 2017 and and eventually got completely wiped out with like all the icos I bought. Like so, that was a, a learning experience. Um, and then really kind of, really kind of hardened up. Then after that, 
really realized like, okay, well, like Bitcoin is the thing. Um, and, you know, basically kind of from 2018 onwards, just focused solely on Bitcoin and trying to like rebuild my stack from everything I'd lost, like from the, <laughs> the ICO uh, shit coins in 2017. Um, but yeah, never really, um, never really knew how I could like contribute to Bitcoin. Um, like wanted to do something, wanted to contribute more, but I wasn't like a dev, never considered myself a dev. Um, you know, couldn't like help read like PRs or like, you know, read code or anything like that or like sure. review PRs and stuff like for Bitcoin. So I was like always kind of scratching my head saying, oh, what can I do? What can I do? And then eventually I just randomly one day, I just like, I was a customer of bull Bitcoins and I didn't like their UI UX. Thought yeah. it was terrible. So I randomly just spent a weekend like in Adobe XD, just like redoing their UI UX for their web app and then sent Francis a DM and said like, hey, your current UI UX sucks. Here's something better. I spent the weekend building and he just went like, yeah, we'll hire you. Let's go. So that was like kind of my way in to like get work and, you know, get paid in Bitcoin and do all that kind of stuff. Um, so that was really cool. And then obviously from that, then, as I explained earlier, I had the need to invoice and couldn't do that. And then eventually like, you know, built ZapRite. So that's the kind of long answer to the whole like story of how it. I got into Bitcoin and got out of Bitcoin and got back into ICOs and got back out and then back in and um, and eventually ended up building ZapRite. Yeah. Yeah. No. That's I always I'm always fascinated by hearing everybody's story because it's always so damn unique. Like you never yeah. really get anybody to match up and did the same exact road. Everybody kind of zigzags back and forth. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's um and and the funny thing I've learned as well um and I'm like you know every. I've been to a lot of events here in Austin since I've been here. I go sure. to like pretty much like every Bitcoin event that's out there. So I've met a lot of people and a lot of like high profile names in, in, in Bitcoin. And, you know, they'll all tell you the same story. What you don't know is a lot of them like have these like crazy weird stories about like some of them in shit coins and ICOs and different startups and like everything as well. Like everybody has their kind of weird way to get in, but we've all kind of managed to just like focus back on, on Bitcoin yeah. as the the kind of one source of truth um, coming out of it, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's really it's really good to hear people's unique stories. Yeah, Bitcoin's gravitational pull kind of just brings yeah. everybody together. Hundred percent for yeah. sure. Um, the the story about writing the 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 hex and the private key down um, back then were like we we know private keys now, hardware wallets, uh, you know, multi sig security, all that stuff. Um, did people really appreciate and understand the power of a private key back then? Or was it just more? So oh, I, I have no idea. Because okay. I, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I just thought it was like another password. Like, like which, you know, gotcha. pretty, pretty much like, I guess you could call it that. But um, yeah, I mean, I just thought, okay, this software is telling me I need to write this down. It seems important. It's telling me not to lose it. Don't show it to anybody. So okay. I'm like, okay, I'll do that. But yeah, I didn't, didn't understand really yeah. what I was doing other than writing down sensitive information that I had to keep. Gotcha. Um, but, so, but Bitcoin always made a good job itself of letting you know that this is important to have. Yeah, I mean, I seem to find out, I don't know if it was like the Bitcoin QT like software that told me to do that or whether it was, um, you know, something I read online. Yeah. I, I can't remember if it was like baked into the software at the time. But um, yeah, I managed to find it out, managed to figure out I should do this and I should do that and I should not do this and not do that. Yeah. Um, but but completely didn't understand yeah. like the economics, <laughs> the number go up, like any of that stuff, self custody, anything. Um, it's funny. Um, it it's really it's, it's funny actually thinking back on it now because when you're so far down the line yeah. and you get all this stuff, it's kind of hard to look back at it from a newbie's perspective because we kind of forget 
like that we know so much now yeah and we just think like you know oh it's easy it's just like you know download this software and like write down your 24 seed words and like you're good and it's like well for somebody who's never done that before like it's like i write down like 12 words 24 words like what is what is that even like that right. like it just doesn't make sense um so i think you know thinking back on that is kind of like i guess like i don't know it's just funny to think back on and how you know, you like I can still see myself sitting at my desk, like writing that down. Like I have a, a picture <laughs> in my head, so it's uh, it's funny to think back about it. Yeah. Uh, what was that privacy? <laughs> no. If I could, if I if I could remember it, I I wouldn't even care telling you because the thing you has been it. swept now. Unless there's any like you know, shitty altcoin airdrops or something like that that can be claimed. <laughs> I don't know. But, um, yeah. I think I actually actually funny you mentioned it because I think I actually took a photo of it. Did you? And yeah, and after I'd swept it, I put a photo on it and put it up on like Twitter or something and just said like, you know, funny story, here's my original Bitcoin wallet from 2013 or something. Um, so I'm sure whatever you could do to it, somebody has tried to do. Although yeah. I probably only had like five followers at the time, so no, nobody saw it. So You'd be surprised. Those five were already hammering away trying to get in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you on like, I see I'm not as deep or as long, I should say, uh, in Bitcoin as due, but even like to the other day, I got invited to a comedy club up here in Austin or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I went up there and we were watching a show and I was having a conversation with an individual I just met. Um, and his basic question was like, well, how do you like buy Bitcoin with like the, the cheapest fees attached to it? And yeah. what, I, what even though, you know, strike is not on my you know favorite list. Um, what I always tell individuals is, you know, you know, grab strike, take a look at the mempool. And if the, the fees are low, then just send that to an on-chain address and all you're going to have to pay is the minor fees, right? So yep. I've done, let's just throw numbers out there, 500 bucks and I've paid four cents yep. right, to get this. So I tell people that, but like you just said, somebody else in that conversation had to stop me and say, whoa, whoa, he doesn't know what Strike is. He doesn't know what the mempool is. He doesn't yeah, know yeah. any of this information. Yeah. And I was just like, holy shit. I just went on this like quick rant to this dude and didn't realize that it's not easy for people that are coming on. Yeah, it's not easy. And it's even like, not even Bitcoin, even just like economics in general. Um, like, I mean, I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and we were talking about, like, I was trying to explain to them how the whole world is like, you know, leveraged up to the eyeballs and like that society built on debt and like, you know, margin trading and, you know, Bitcoin's volatility is like, you know, most of it now is just because people like are so leveraged on Wall Street and other things that yeah. like whenever there's a, a tiny wobble there, then everyone has to pull money out of Bitcoin to cover their like, you know, you know, craziness that they're doing in um in Wall Street. And I had to even stop and just like they could see like her eyes just like just she just like, well, what's leverage? I don't know what leverage is. <sighs> like, like like even and I don't blame it's just like it like this is stuff that I didn't even know at the start exactly. as well. But like when you get into it as a Bitcoiner, everything just makes sense. Right, you just you understand why why Bitcoin is important, and you understand why the current system is broken. But when you try to explain that, you realize that it involves like a lot of concepts that most people just aren't familiar with. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to your point, then to take that back to trying to explain to somebody, oh yeah, just download Strike and then watch the mempool, and when fees are low, like send it, and they're like they'll probably just be like, uh, what? Like, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. And I felt bad. And he was like, can I do that on Cash App? And I was like, ah, I got it. Yeah. And, and that also reminded me of how like influential or how deep into society Cash App is right now. Like it's, you know, as a fiat railway, it's kind of turned into um, 
I don't, you don't have an account, but yeah, you know, Cash App when it comes to fiat mostly resembles what Bitcoin does. When it, uh, when, what I mean by that is, you know, where where Cash App they usually trust you up front. So like ACH deposits usually don't take long; they're instantaneous. Yeah. When you send cash to somebody, even though the workings in the background is probably three or four days or whatever the hell it is, yeah. they're instantaneous. Um, and people got an exposure to you know, instant transactions with Cash App and they're hooked on that. So mostly mm. everybody has Cash App on their phone. Right. Um, and I've talked about this on the show before. I think, you know, even though, you know, you got the strikes of the world, and you, when it comes to like engulfing the culture and, you know, the masses with Bitcoin, I think Cash App has the best chance right now. And it's just because they were there first. Yeah. Uh, like, like they were ingrained in everybody's phone already and people were used to instant transactions. And- yeah. They've always been focused ever since that little square reader. They've right. always they've always been focused on the you know the the freelancers, the businesses, yeah. like this type of environment. So yeah. um, I think it's super crucial for them to stick the course. Um, but I also have a problem with you know the big dogs kind of taking away the light from you know the the devs, right? Like from the people that are actually Bitcoin only focused. Um, do you ever think yeah. about those things as a developer? Like you know, hey, this fiat company is stupid. Uh, stealing is a hard word, but uh, absorbing the ideas that, you know, the fresh developers are bringing to the table and not giving the credit where it's due. Do you think about that? Do you feel that's even happening? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I don't know. Like, I mean, I haven't thought about that a lot. Yeah. Um, I mean, to kind of change it up a little bit, like sure. one thing I have thought about is how like right now, like, you know, Silicon Valley and the traditional like fintech stuff that's coming out is just garbage. Yeah. It's just like, it annoys me when I see some company that like, you know, some fintech startup that allows you to put like, you know, a $50 t-shirt like spread over four monthly payments like on some service and they get like $10 million funding and I'm like, this is fucking garbage. Yeah, yeah. Like you're incentivizing people to like buy stuff that they can't afford. Like if you can't afford $50 for a t-shirt, you shouldn't be buying it over four monthly payments. That's a good point. (laughs) And and these companies are getting $10 million to like proliferate this stuff through society and it kind of makes me sick. Like, it's, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to, we're trying to fix the underlying system of like, you know, corrupt central banks and corrupt money. Yeah. And at the same time, like we've got this product, like this, this software, like this protocol, Bitcoin, that solves all of this. And we just need to build tools on top of it. And so kind of tied into the question that you asked, but maybe answered in different ways. Like, yeah, I get pissed off when I see all that stuff happening um, where maybe they're not pulling devs away from Bitcoin apps like so much but like it's just more traditional people just like throwing money at like traditional stuff yeah and like an app like that would probably be wildly successful like if you're putting a t-shirt like layaway for four weeks like that could be a like that's a, that could turn into a unicorn like overnight but that doesn't mean it's a good thing right, it, right. it'll it'll happen because you're just giving people the option to do something that they shouldn't be doing but that they want to do and so they're just going to do it yeah. Right. And that's what annoys me. Um, on the other side of that, there's like, well, not on the other side, but like similar to that is I do kind of get annoyed as well when I see people building stuff on like other chains, like okay. ETH and like Solano and stuff that like could be built on Bitcoin. Yeah. That annoys me. Um, and I don't know whether that's a problem we have to work on as Bitcoiners. Like maybe we have to 
do a better job at like educating people like developers that like the like bitcoin can do all of this stuff right especially now with everything that's happening around like you know with the lightning network becoming like more widely used and stable and things like in um uh well i say lightning stable still still hard to route a payment if you're not using yeah, a, a, a central trusted party but um it's you know with, with everything like that and taproot and like you know dlcs and everything it's just like i think there's a lot happening where we're going to see like over the next few years just an explosion of like really really cool like services and apps and tools because pretty much everything has to be rebuilt on the bitcoin stack like everything yeah. whatever whatever you see out in traditional fintech world we're going to have to rebuild it on bitcoin um, from the smallest little service like you know invoicing freelancing invoicing all the way up to like really heavy lifting services um everything's going to have to be rebuilt so yeah i mean right now ethereum and solano are the kind of they make it easier right they make it easier um and you know can't deny that but at the same time it would be nice if we could get more of those devs over to like work on on bitcoin when you say easier easier in what way just because it's like easier, like the, the the coding language of Ethereum, what is it like, um, Solidity or whatever it's called? Like I don't, I, I don't know. I either, think but. Solidity, I think it's called. Um, and just the fact that like everything is stored, like, on the blockchain. Okay. Right. It just this massive database, like where it just makes it like easier to build, all of these like different services. Yeah. Now it's obviously worse, but it's easier. Yeah. Right. Um, and so if you're a dev, like even a like kind of middle of the road dev, like you're going to be able to like build an Ethereum like web app, like in no time. Right. Yeah. Whereas if you're trying to build the same thing on Bitcoin, it's like, it's going to be harder. Interesting. Um, but, you know, I think that's, I mean, we, we, we know as Bitcoin is that eventually it's not sustainable because like, you know, Ethereum, there's like, you know, two nodes running in the world or whatever it is. And yeah, yeah. As soon as they, as soon as they shut down, like all these web apps and shiny, like ICOs and tokens and stuff are going to disappear. They're going to disappear naturally anyway, because they're all centralized garbage. But, yeah. um, but yeah, like in the meantime, it's just like, it's, it's easier. It's just a shiny object that developers are like, kind of like pulled towards. Yeah. Um, I think, I think you have to understand the, you know, underlying, monetary properties of bitcoin and like what it what it's trying to solve what it is solving um before you actually get like that you should be developing on it right because most most people probably just see it as like oh it's like okay maybe it's like the superior money right maybe it's like gold it's like hard money like okay yeah i'll give it that but like i'm gonna build my cool app on like ethereum because that's like for developers but they need to separate the the bitcoin token like the money from the bitcoin network yeah. And once you understand that the two are different and that money is just like, you know, money will sort itself out. Like it'll be valuable as long as the underlying network is valuable. Right. And that's really what is valuable. Um, well and said. I think that's what we need to, to get more developers to focus on and not be attracted by, you know, shiny Ethereum or Solano. Yeah. No. Well said. Uh, I've got a few more questions here for you. So yeah. what's, what are you most excited about in Bitcoin? Um, and what is, uh, I, I guess least favorite is, is lose, but what what does Bitcoin need to work on uh, conversely? Um, well, I guess like I guess my immediate answers to those will be what I've literally just said <laughs> would <laughs> okay. be um, you know what I think we need to work on is um, 
just making it easier for people to, you know, come into Bitcoin and start building companies and apps and services and tools. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's a hell of a lot easier now than it was, granted. Um, but that's something I think we could definitely work on. Mm-hmm. Um, and what was the other question? What, I, what I'm excited, yeah, what what I'm excited about. about yeah. And again, it's things like um, like Taproot, DLCs, like all of these things that will just add additional functionality where like really cool things can actually be built on top um, of Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm excited about Lightning Network as well, but man, it's hard. It is. Like it's hard, it's complicated, it, it's broken, it doesn't work. Yeah. Um, now, I hate saying that because... When other people say it, I always pull them up and say, well, like, you know, running your own SMTP server was hard in the, like, 70s or 80s. Like, <laughs> nobody did it, but we all learned to use email because the tools just got better. Yeah. So, like, I understand things will get better. Yeah. And I'm, I'm optimistic, but, like, right now, yeah, like, it's hard. But um, that's, I guess, I guess if you're asking me what I'm excited about is I'm excited to see all those things become easier. Yeah. Um, and that's, uh, I think that that's happening. It's going to happen for sure. And I do still get more failed payments than successful payments on Lightning. So I agree with you. It's, it's not. Yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Like I keep talking to people like, you know, Super Testnet here in, the, in Plab Lab is like super like awesome Lightning wizard. So like you just pick his brain and ask him things about Lightning and he'll like the stuff he says is just like, I'm like, wow, I can't believe that like that happens on lightning or that's the way like a lightning payment works or that's the way like you know you'll say all these different stats like you know just I can't even pull them out of, out of my head now like <laughs> but um like it's just wild how much i don't even realize and i'm I'm trying to work with it i'm trying to integrate it into zapper i'm trying to learn as much about it as i can yeah but it's just so complicated yeah it's hard it always seems to circle back to just liquidity it always yeah. been one of those things where it's like either outbound or inbound or some design just snags up but pretty much yeah it's pretty much like finding a route which is which is liquidity yeah um, so yeah I mean that's that's usually what it boils down to alright yeah. I got the final question here for you and you can take this both ways or you could explain it from Zap Price perspective so I want to know what's next for John and what's next for Zap Price and those two, two things could be the same Right. Okay. Well, I mean, I guess they're kind of tied in. Uh, Zaprite. Uh, well, for for me, um, I'm like I want to try and stay in the U.S. as long as I can. Obviously, okay. I'm only here on like temporary um, visa status, so I got to try and secure uh, long term visa. Um, hopefully, I can do that through Zaprite. Um, but that's that's the kind of at least short term goal for me personally. Yeah. Um, and obviously, like working on Zaprite as well, obviously, but like on a more personal level, that's what I'm trying to achieve to be here so that I can work on Zaprite, um, at least within the Bitcoin community. Um, and from Zaprite's perspective, yeah, again, kind of touched on it earlier. Um, halfway through raising a pre seed round, should have that closed out soon enough. And then um, I can basically just hit the road hiring staff. I'm going to get a developer, um, maybe a second one. We'll see. Um, there's a ton of features on the roadmap that need to be built out. Um, there's, there's really a lot of really, really interesting stuff that I've got like kind of lined up for Zapride. Um, but even some of the more basic stuff, like just adding in donation pages, crowdfunding pages, event ticketing. Um, it's just a whole, like pretty much like that's the beauty of Zapride is that like, because you're connecting it to, to anybody's like personal node or wallet or whatever, we can just build all these tools that like you just plug your wallet into and it'll run. 
Um, yeah. And that's the that that's really what I'm trying to do. So like, if you can think of anything, any financial product that that people use, yeah, can be built into Zaprite. Um, but at the same time, I don't want to like just you know start building all these kind of like fragmented bits and pieces and going off in tangents every week like trying to build some new shiny thing i need to focus on on what like the core um the core value of of zaprite is and i think it's in in building like an accounting system yeah. um because i think we need i think we need more tools like that that make it easier to use bitcoin day to day yeah and that's really you know it's really uh, well, it's really what the core of of zaprite is all about I needed an invoicing tool so that I could use day to day or at least week to week when I'm sending out invoices. Um, and, and from that, then obviously the natural progression is, well, we just build out a full accounting system, right? Yeah. Like if you can plug in an XPUB and you can just watch everything in and out of that XPUB and it'll be just like QuickBooks where you can categorize expenses and you can see everything that comes in, categorize it, get reports on how much you're spending on each category every month. And you can um, see uh, or everything that goes out and then you can see everything that comes in from the invoice payments point of view um, you can track your income track your burn rate every month and what you're spending against that how many outstanding invoices you've got and your cash flow all that type of thing um, and then you know eventually build in you know some some integrations with exchanges or uh, like credit card companies like you know fold or the Bitcoin company or any of those guys that are offering you know pay with moon things like that yeah where um, you can if you if you want to live 100% like you know bitcoin as much as possible but you have a small usd balance and you've got like expenses you got to pay a vendor that only accepts like um or that you need to like at least pay out uh usd yeah um then you can basically like fund a pay with moon card and pay with that like that will at least allow you to do like um credit card payments but then if you do have a vendor that only accepts like usd maybe there's some kind of uh integration with an exchange or with some kind of like uh, system like regular credit card system where basically you can you know run use a credit card from your bitcoin treasury um yeah like that would be the idea like if you've got treasury sitting there in your account and you can right. use that as collateral for a credit card um and you can just use the credit card to pay fiat expenses um and then just like pay that off with your bitcoin and then do all the accounting and reconciliation that comes with that as well that sounds amazing um yeah the donations that, that for me personally, just to have up on the page and stuff, that'll be a welcome, a welcome thing. And the pay with moon, I didn't even think about that idea. That's actually a fantastic idea. Uh, and we all know it's going to look beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, John, please let the listeners know where they can try ZapRite, where they can, you know, get onboarded and, and anywhere you want to send them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, ZapRite.com is the website. Um, and you can, you can get to the app from there or just go to app.zapright.com. Um, click the sign up button. All you need is an email. No, no KYC, no, no, anything like that. Um, email will get you straight in. You can try out everything right now. Um, it's still free at the moment. We're about to start adding some like paid tiers onto it. So, uh, so get in there and try it out while you can. You might be grandfathered in. You never know. Um, so yeah. And then follow at Zaprite app on Twitter. And I'm just John underscore Zaprite on Twitter. Sweet. Guys, go check out ZapRite. You'll be very early on. And what I think, and I, I'm not the only one, think it's going to be one of the greater apps here in the Bitcoin space. Uh, John, I appreciate you for coming on the show, man. Uh, super bullish on what you got going on. And I, I love just following along and recommending it wherever I can back home and any freelancers that I know. If you're a freelancer watching the show, this is the way to go. 
as I said earlier in the show, unless you want to go open node and take a picture of your freaking face, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Stay away from that. All the beautiful things we heard, uh, uh, you know, coming in the pipeline and your growth is just amazing. So kudos to you, man. I appreciate you. Cheers, man. Appreciate that. And I appreciate you having me on. It's been uh, it's been awesome uh, knowing you for a few months. You've always been enthusiastic about Saproid. So appreciate you having me on and uh, taking the time to chat about it today. Absolutely, brother. Thank you. Uh, guys, go check us out. Um, Bitcoin TV. We don't want to use any of those old legacy bullshit algorithms. So stay away from YouTube. We're on Bitcoin TV where you can catch this nice 4K video. Uh, stream us on Fountain app or Breeze app so you can uh, show us some love on the show, value for value. But even if you just want to listen... I'd rather you go there than go to the Spotify's of the world. We appreciate you guys as always. This wraps up episode 58, and I'll see you guys in the next episode. Later.